off in prayer already, so I pray that um, the Holy Spirit greeted you as you joined. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, Travis. Um, again, tonight we're talking about spiritual discipline, um, the door, the door to our freedom. I don't know about you, man, but but I want freedom and and not just the superficial freedom that is external, that, you know, I'm checking the box that um, I didn't do this today or I didn't do that today. I'm talking about a uh, internal freedom that when everything else is going around me, that is crazy and chaotic. Um, the the dogs barking, the the wife's yelling, the kids are screaming. There's an inner peace within me. That is the kind of freedom that we're going to be chasing. And I'm going to share with you all, set the stage for how we can open that door. So, um, my prayer is that the desire for growth in God and change as men is so real that the dis the spiritual dis disciplines we come to learn and know become an inward and spiritual reality. The inner attitude of our heart is far more important than the information that will be shared in this series. Our heart position is the true compass for which these spiritual disciplines will become a reality of our spiritual walk and journey with God. In our enthusiasm to learn these and to practice these disciplines um, that we're going to learn in the upcoming days and weeks, it is important to note that we may fail. In fact, I will say um you will fail. Um, I failed today. And, and that's okay. That's a part of the journey. Um, but I want to preface the teaching by saying this. The life that is pleasing to God is not a series of religious duties. We only have one thing to do. Experience a life of relationship and intimacy with God. So let's talk about something really quickly. I want to talk about this sin nature and some ingrained habits that keep us from feeling worthy to be in a relationship with God. Um, we are accustomed to thinking of sin as individual acts of disobedience to God. This is true enough as far as sin goes, but scripture goes much further. Um, I want to say, let's see if I can get the scripture up here. In uh, Romans 3, 10 through 18, and hopefully everybody can see my, my screen here. It says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, 
they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of apps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And this is Paul writing uh, in Romans 3. And he's talking about this sin condition that plagues us. He's talking about sin as a condition working its way out through our bodily members, our hands and our mouths and our throat and our feet. That and those things are the ingrained habits within us of the body. Um, Romans 7 and 5 says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. There's that word again, members. He's talking about our body, our hands, our mouths, our feet. Those are the things that typically get us in trouble when we think about it. And, and there is no slavery that can compare to the slavery of an ingrained habit of sin. Isaiah 57 and 20 says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. The sea does not need to do anything special to produce this dirt that Isaiah is talking about. It's just a natural result of its motions and its waves. This is also true of us when we are under the condition of sin. The natural motion of our lives produce this mire and dirt. Sin is part of the internal structure of our lives. There is no special effort. You don't have to wake up and say, I'm going to try to sin today. <laughs> no wonder we feel trapped, man. Our ordinary method of dealing with an ingrained sin is to launch a frontal or intellectual attack. We rely on on our willpower and determination. Whatever this sin is for us might be, whether it's anger or fear or bitterness or pride, lust, substance abuse, drug abuse, we determine never to do it again. We pray against it. We fight against it. We set our will against it. But this struggle is all in vain. And when we find ourselves once again falling into that sin, or worse yet, 
so proud that we didn't sin. So we have an external righteousness. That hypocrisy is a mild description of our condition. Man, this, there's this book called Freedom from uh, Sinful Thoughts by Haney Ar Arnold. And he writes, we want to make it quite clear that we cannot free and purify our own heart by exerting our own will. Colossians 2, 20 and 23, Paul lists some of the outward forms that we use to try to control sin. And I'm going somewhere, so just stay with me, man. It says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulation? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to the things or referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. Paul's asking this question here. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom, an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. My God. So what Paul is talking about here in Colossians in so many words is will worship. What a telling passage of scripture, man. The moment we feel we can succeed and have victory over sin by the strength of our own will alone is the moment we are worshiping our will. Isn't it ironic that Paul looks at our most valiant efforts in our spiritual walk and calls them idolatry or will worship? Willpower will never succeed in dealing with the deeply ingrained habits of sin. As soon as you resist mentally any undesirable or unwanted circumstance, <laughs> you essentially give that situation more power, power which it will use against you, and you will have depleted your own resources. Haney Arnold um, goes on to say, as long as we think we can save ourselves by our own willpower, we will only make the evil in us stronger than ever. Real worship may produce an outward or external show of success for a time, but in the cracks and crevices of our lives, our deep inner condition 
will eventually be revealed. And that's what we're dealing with in this series, man. The inner condition of who we are. Jesus describes this condition when he speaks of the external righteousness of the Pharisees in Matthew. It's Matthew 12, 34 and 36. He says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. You see, by our own willpower, we can make a good show for a time, but sooner or later, there will come an unguarded moment. You guys have heard about my road rage incident when we did the road rage in, uh, series or discussion. Whatever is in your heart, you reveal yourself in the worst of times, not in the best of times, but it's a barometer of where we have to go in our inner transformation. If we are full of compassion, it's going to be revealed. If we are full of jealousy, that also will be revealed. It is not that we plan to be this way, men. We have no intention of exploding with anger or being egotistical. But when we are with people, what we are comes out. Though we may try with all our might to hide these things, we are betrayed by our bodily members, our eyes, our mouths, our hands, our, our body language, as it were. So willpower has no defense against the careless word or deed in that unguarded moment. The will has the same deficiency as the law. It can only deal with external behavior. External behavior is performance, men. It is incapable of bringing about the necessary transformation of the inner spirit, which after all is what we are truly after, men. I don't know about you, but that's why I'm here tonight. And I pray that's why you're here. Amen. I'm almost finished. I want to close by sharing um, how we have or how we can position ourselves to stop performance or external behavior and come into a inner transformation. The, the spiritual disciplines we're going to be exploring over the next few weeks and months ahead will open this door to our freedom. When we lose hope of gaining this inner transformation that I'm talking about through our own human power of will and determination, we are open to a new reality. This, this inner righteousness is really a gift from God. 
it, it really is. The, the needed change within us is God's work, not ours. The demand is for the proverbial inside job, and only God can work from the inside out. And we cannot attain or earn this righteousness. It is a grace that is given. In the book of Romans, Paul goes to great length to show that righteousness is a gift from God. In fact, he uses this term 35 times and each time insists that righteousness is unattained and unattainable through human efforts. He goes on to say in Romans 5 and 17, for if because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Those of us who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This teaching is not only found in Romans, but throughout scripture and stands as one of the cornerstones of the Christian faith. The moment we wrap our arms around this truth, we are in danger of error in the opposite direction also. We're going to be tempted to believe and throw our hands up that there's nothing we can do. We'll pose the rhetorical question in our minds that asks us, if all human effort ends in failure, then why am I trying at all? We may even conclude that we must wait for God to come and transform us. Strangely enough, that notion is not correct. While all human effort is insufficient and righteousness is a gift from God through his grace, there are some practical things we can begin to do to open this door to our freedom. God has given the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. And the disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. Paul says in Galatians, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Paul's analogy is instructive, man. You see, a farmer is helpless to grow grain. All he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain. He cultivates the ground. He plants the seed. He waters the plant. And then the natural forces of the earth take over and up comes the grain. This is the way it is with the spiritual disciplines, men. They are a way of sowing 
to our spirit. The disciplines are God's way of getting us into the ground. They put us where we can work with, where he can work within us and truly transform us. By themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. They are God's means of grace. The inner righteousness we seek is not something that is going to be poured out on our heads. God has ordained these disciplines of the spiritual life as the means by which we can place ourselves where he can change us. And so we must always remember that the path we are taking does not produce the change. It only places us where the change can occur. Amen. If we are to progress in the spiritual walk so that the disciplines are a blessing and not a curse, we must come to the place in our lives where we can lay down the burden of always needing to manage others. I think I was talking to Tim the other day and I confessed to him that um, that's one of my areas of opportunity, trying to control everything, the narrative, what people think, what people are going to say. And we just have to lay down that burden. This drive more than any single thing will lead us to turn the spiritual disciplines into laws. And once we have made a law, we have an externalism by which we judge who is measuring up and who is not. And it's dangerous. Without laws, the disciplines are an internal work. And that's what we want it to be. When we genuinely believe that inner transformation is God's work and not ours, we can put to rest our passion to set others straight. We must beware of how quickly we can latch on to this word or that word and turn it into law. The moment we do so, we qualify for Jesus's rebuke against the Pharisees where he said, he said to us, and I didn't put this in the slide, it looks like, they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move with their, move them with their finger. In these matters, we need the words of Paul embedded in our mind. He says, he made us able to be servants of a new agreement from himself to his people. It is not an agreement of written laws, but it is of the spirit. The written law brings death, but the spirit gives life. And that's Second Corinthians 3 and 6. Men, as we enter the world of these spiritual disciplines, which I hope I whet your appetite to say, Brandon, tell me what they are. (laughs) 
But essentially, for us to receive this inner transformation and change, there will be a danger of turning these into laws. But we are not left to our own human devices. Jesus Christ has promised to be our ever-present help. His voice is not hard to hear. His direction is not hard to understand. If we begin to harden our heart against what he wants to remain alive in us or grow in us, he will tell us. We can trust his teaching. If we are wandering off towards some wrong idea or unprofitable practice, he will pull us back in line. If we are willing to listen, we will receive the instruction we need. Men, our world is hungry for genuinely changed people. Let us become eager to be in that number. Everybody thinks of changing the world and nobody thinks of changing themselves. Let us be among those who believe that our inner transformation is a goal worthy of our best effort. Now that our, our hearts and our minds are open to the idea of spiritual discipline, I know we are chomping at the bit to understand what they are. We're going to talk about um, the inward disciplines first, okay? This is, to me, the most important part of changing. Um, and I hope you continue to join me week over week um, as we explore these. The first one we're going to explore um, as the inward discipline is meditation. Okay, um, I'm not just going to talk about meditation, but I'm going to talk about how to do it, what it's all about. The Western world, our culture, um, when you see meditation, most of the time you think what the Western world does is they want, they say, clear the mind. Well, the meditation that we're talking about, the one that David says, meditate um, on the Lord day and night. Let the, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. This is the kind of meditation David is talking about, where you sit in God's presence and you meditate on his goodness and his word, and his promises. And so, and breath work is a part of that because breath work allows you to move thoughts and distractions out of your head and focus in on one of, one of the things that you're trying to focus on. So I'm not getting into that tonight, but it's a preview. It's a preview of what we'll be talking about next week, okay? Um, once we finish meditation, 
um, I'll share with you the next one that we'll be getting into. And it's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be exciting. And it's going to open some doors to our freedom that we never thought possible in this spiritual journey. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We pray, Father, that your word would illuminate in our minds. Father, that we would be open to the idea that there are practical things that we can do to position ourselves for you to change us, not externally, not behaviorally, but internally, Father, where the change is an inner transformation of our heart's position. That you change us from the inside out. So, Father, when we reveal ourselves to others, it is the true nature of who you've called us to be in our best selves. We thank you, Father, for your word. For you would not give us this blessed hope if you did not desire it for us, your people. We trust you, we believe in you, and we thank you for your word. Do not let it return to us void. In Jesus' name, amen.